Hey, listener, I want to tell you about this new and exciting app we're on. It's called Shuffle. Shuffle allows you, the listener, to not just listen to our episodes, but also allows you to edit and snip audio clips, add visual elements, react, even share in your socials of specific moments of each episode. One of the reasons why I love Shuffle is that it's focused on the community aspect for podcast lovers. Because, you know, sometimes listening to an episode can feel a little bit lonely. Let's say you're working near a colleague or commuting on public transportation and you've got your AirPods on and you hear something funny or interesting from your podcast and you're smiling and you're giggling by yourself. All of a sudden you start getting strange looks from everyone. The person next to you gets up and sits somewhere else and now everyone on the train thinks you're crazy. Well, guess what? You're no longer alone because with the Shuffle app, you can react and enjoy those moments with other listeners. We have a new community chat out there for all you fans who love AAPI cinema. You can chat with other fans, ask us questions, get film recommendations, or even recommend us films. Right now, we have a special offer for you. Shuffle is offering to sponsor 10 of our fans their first month on our Patreon. All you have to do is download the Shuffle app, join the Real Asian Podcast community chat, sign up for our Patreon, and we'll take care of the rest. We'll select 10 random people to sponsor their first month. That's right. We're so confident you'll enjoy the app and our content that we'll take care of the first month. So to join the community today, go to realasianpodcast.com slash shuffle. Again, super easy to remember, realasianpodcast.com slash shuffle. I'm just so frustrated. I'm I'm Asian, but I can't find Asian stories. You know, actually, I came across this one website where they focus on Asian stories uh, called theuniversalasian.com. Oh, tell me more about this. Well, some of the things that they offer are written articles, poetry, prose, photos, art, and videos of a variety of different topics. And knowing the bro in you, no topic is off limits. Amazing. Now, the Universal Asian, this is not just very Asian American, is it? It's all Asians? The Universal Asian community. This sounds amazing. Thank you, Renee. Awesome. So just go to theuniversalasian.com to be able to check out and provide support on how to's and discussions on topics of interest. Yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Real Asian Podcast. I'm Raymond Liu, and I am joined today by my good friend, Jeffrey Lin. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ray, for letting me on the show. I'm super excited to be talking about, you know, what this is. I I was a child when I first watched this movie, and I think it really boosted my confidence where that that might say a lot about me as a child. But. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, we'll talk about the importance of this movie. I think low key, uh, on the surface level, it may seem like a silly comedy, but if you really, you know, after watching it again and kind of looking back on, in hindsight, its cultural impact, us as Asian Americans, we can definitely, we've definitely gained an appreciation in terms of the imprint that it had in cinema, but also just an Asian American representation. So, Jeffrey, thank you for again. Thank you again for coming on to the show. Could you go ahead and just introduce our listeners in terms of who you are, why you want to jump onto the show, why, and why you like talking about movies? Right. So yeah, thanks again, Ray. So I am, I'm an an attorney out here in the Bay Area, and you know I think 
you know, especially movies are super important because, you know, from my experience, you know, watching Harold and Kumar, it's been, those are the first kinds of things that I, I see. And, you know, they really shaped like who I thought like I could be growing mm-hmm. up in the future. So I think that was, that's like super important to have because that's really, especially for young kids, I think it's important to be able to see themselves in different situations. And it's important that you have a wide variety of things that you know you can that you can be like a sports player or you can be an athlete you can be a doctor or a lawyer but you can also be you know a, a, like a stoner who hates his job <laughs> which is what you know 80 percent of people are probably going to be when they when they grow up so you mentioned it so we are talking about harold and kumar go to white castle a 2004 classic stoner comedy i think my first experience watching the film was probably a couple of years after the movie came out. So the movie came out in 2004. I definitely didn't watch it in the theaters. I can say that much. I most likely watched it at my cousin's place. Yeah, with his friends, just because during that time I was hanging out with my older, oldest cousin, who is 10 years older than me. And anytime I spent time with him, it was like exposure to the adult world because he was, he had older friends. 2004, I was, I had to be 15 or 16 at the time. Um, Very much an impressionable adolescent years, right? I don't even think it registered in my brain that Harold and Kumar, seeing it on screen, this this comedy was showing two Asian American leads. I just saw the movie as like a silly comedy. And even watching it, I remember the very first time, all the stoner references and subtleties definitely flew over my head. Like, I, I, I didn't smoke at the time. I didn't get high. You know, again, I was 16. But watching it now, having some experience with weed and have gotten high before, it's a whole new understanding. It also introduced to me um, this idea of, like, multi-ethnic comedy. You see the different interactions that Harold and Kumar have with different minority groups, um, both in a good and bad way. And the movie just smartly pokes fun at the different stereotypes that was, you know, uh, taboo at the time. If you think about it, again, 2004, I'm always having to put my mind back into a time machine and thinking about the context of racial relations during that time. But Jeffrey, what was, do you you remember, do you recall your first experience watching a movie like, or watching Harold and Kumar? Yeah, I was, I was not much younger than you, I was probably like 13, 14 when I first saw this. I think it, I think I first saw it when the sequel came out. So when Guantanamo Bay came out. So, oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of like a set for, you know, it was a two for one deal for me. That's when you learned about the first one or you yeah. watched the second one first. And, oh, okay. That's why I learned. So I think, I think I did watch, no, I watched the first one first and then to like kind of prepare for Guantanamo yeah. Bay. Yeah. And I think I, I had felt kind of like a similar way. In the sense that you know, lots of things like flew over my head, like through it. I was like, oh, like weed, like is weed like this, this prevalent? <laughs> yeah, that's that was like my. I was like, man, like everyone smokes weed, I guess. Like I always, I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's not like you smoke weed, like you, you might as well commit murder, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and I, I don't think even I don't even remember it thinking if it was a bad thing. I think it was just one of those things where it, was, it just made. My understanding before I smoked it, it just made you silly. It made you laugh. Mm-hmm. And these are just things that 
I took in to say, oh, you know, th- that's just what weed does. But mm-hmm. again, I knew it. I think for me, I knew it as a movie. So I didn't take any of the things seriously in terms of how it reflected real life. But what was interesting in some of the research that I've done looking back at the totality of stoner comedies, which is interesting enough to say that there even is a subgenre of stoner comedies, right? Mm-hmm. Is that there are certain elements and themes where it's usually like two friends, like buddies, who go on this long-winded journey and all they ever want to do is smoke weed. You know, there's like this one seem- seemingly trivial goal, but because they're high constantly, they, they get sidetracked all the time. They kind of go on these cra- crazy adventures. And there's one thing that these stoner comedies always tend to have is that they have a moment where like the duo uh, have a conflict and they're like, something happens. They're like, oh man, like I thought we were buds. I, I thought we were friends, bro. And so like that. And then they, and then something else happens, like another plot point that kind of puts, brings them back together and they get reunited and they're always like, oh, I love you. And we'll go, we'll go into, we'll, we'll go into talking about other stoner comedies and maybe some of our top five do you recall in terms of how you discovered harold and kumar was it just like marketing or someone told you about it i i you know so i i grew up kind of one of, one of the very few like asian kids in in texas when i when i was there mm-hmm. I, it must have been one of those like late night like youtube kind of like internet searches where i was just looking for like oh are there like other like asian like actors out there, like do they do they exist? Did you Google search milestone Asian American films? First one, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. That's, that's right. Yeah, it was, it was here in like Joy Luck Club or like Tide. <laughs> Very similar movies. I mean, yeah. you could watch them back to back and not tell the difference. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, although Joy Luck Club with like weed would have been very interesting. Um, hey, who knows? We you could write that script. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I think that's that's really how I just don't. I remember I found it and then I, I showed it to like a friend who was also Asian American and he, I think we were just like, oh, we need to watch this. Did you ever get that feeling where it was like something you shouldn't be watching? Like your if your parents found out that you watched something like this, you get in trouble. Did you get that feeling? I didn't because I didn't know exactly what was going to be in it. <laughs> I was very surprised. I remember watching it being like, wow, this is worse than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... I think for me, it wasn't as as much as if my mom or my parents found out I'm watching stuff like this, I would get in trouble. I think it was just in general when I was, like I said, I, I most likely was exposed to this movie when I was hanging out with my cousins. Whenever I was hanging out with my cousins, I just assumed that everything that he was into was good. Like, okay, socially accepted, right? right. He was in a rock, he was in a rock band. You know, we we hung out, we ate like Jack in a Box every night and just Uh hung out with people. And so watching a movie like this, I just felt like, oh, this is just American culture. Again, this is a very formative time in my year being 15, 16. So I just thought this is what America is like. You know, this is what, you know, what people do. This is how people have fun, you know, and just having just smoking weed all day. (laughs) That is what America is like. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I... Like my first exposure to like this kind of culture and seeing like, oh, like people do do this a lot. And I was very, yeah, I was very surprised. I've never watched Harold and Kumar High before, although I should try. I thought it was pretty funny on the rewatch. Mm-hmm. I, I have seen Pineapple Express both high and not high. Mm-hmm. And I can say it's 
Pineapple Express definitely is much funnier when you're high. And it's a pretty fo- funny movie when you're not high too. So I, I don't smoke weed, but I, I was thinking like, oh, like maybe I should. I don't like drinking like an adult beverage or something while watching this. Do you want to start right now? Do you want to? I can send you over. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as, as, a, okay. So this is, this is probably something you want to cut out, but as an attorney, I can't. Oh, like, um, interesting. I can't like publicly like say anything about that. About got yeah, it. it's yeah, okay. got it. Yeah, uh-huh. Because you know, it's sure it's like legal in California, but it's not right, right. So you can neither confirm or deny. I cannot. No, you're right. I cannot. I actually, I probably should deny. But. <laughs> Let's talk about some of the themes or takeaways that you that you, that you pulled from this movie. Again, we mentioned on the face of it, it's a stoner comedy. I think why Harold and Kumar is an important piece of cinema today is, you know, you mentioned it's where the first time, one of the first times where we're seeing Asians and or Asian Americans outside of like a normal setting, other than like the immigrant experience. It's kind of like this, the sense of like Asian Americans are, these are like two like normal like people living like normal lives. And then, you know, in some ways the, the immigrant experience like, shapes them and then you you see that throughout like different different parts of the movie kind of like how those like extreme like you know white people like who like you know follow them and you know try to annoy them at every turn turn oh god they, yeah you see how like that like that affects them you see how it affects them in like the workplace and how other people like affect them but and kind of like they're kind of like the everyman sort of yeah deal like you can like, as an asian american like man I can like see, I can see myself like in them, like oh, they're not like particularly like you know like good looking or like things like that. Nothing about or they're not exceptionally, they're not exceptional academically, exceptional, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it. I thought that was important, especially coming. You know, this was so. Better Luck Tomorrow was released like a couple of years before this. Yep, and think of kind of like a big talk about that was seeing like Asian Americans not. In, in like a normal circumstance and almost also like in a very negative light. Right. And how like they can like make lots of bad decisions and do lots of bad things. But yeah. I think seeing that is like a very like humanizing thing where it's, oh, like these people, like we can have fun as well. We're just like normal people. And but then yeah. there's we also have this other layer to us. Yeah. And and what's interesting about Harold and Kumar, or I guess what's unique about Harold and Kumar is that it does introduce to us Harold and Kumar as seemingly stereotypical characters, right? Harold is the uh, shy Asian accountant for his company. And then Kumar is like this uh, medical prodigy. But then as the movie goes along, we quickly learn that that is not really the case. So it does pull the audience in to say, we recognize the stereotypes that are that is very prevalent with Asian Americans right now. But then, hey, we're gonna flip it on its head. Just kidding. It's you know, there's actually you know these two like to smoke, and they're actually not as driven as as you can say, or not academically ex- uh, exceptional as society expects them to be. And so it shows like this other, like you mentioned it. There's this layer and dimension to them. By just showing that there is dimension to them. I think when we when you think about Asian American representation at this time, there was either none or they were not shown in a very positive light. They were kind of like 
exotic and foreign and they were like deemed oriental. So this movie kind of flipped it on its head and, and showed a different side where Harold and Kumar have character arcs. There's complexity, there's emotionality to them. They, we know that they have flaws in their characters. So this, this movie does a good job in terms of like Jedi mind tricking us, thinking that, oh, there's, there's these stereotypical characters, but oh, wait, they're, they're actually not as, they, as we expect them to be. Introducing this concept to us at the time was very new. You know, definitely you see that like perversion of, you know, what you, you do get that impression that they're, they're very like academically and like successful. And then, you know, ha- then Kumar calls Harold in that scene where he's doing an interview with the, with the medical school. And he just starts like, Oh, like I want, like, you know, I have this like bag of pound, like we, like we need like smoking tonight. And we're just yeah. like, Oh my God, like this, can this happen? And I'm like, you know, 14 year old me. And I'm just like, can I do this? I can. It's just, yeah. And it's like the audience is exactly uh, Fred Willard's character, who the, the guy mm-hmm. who's doing the admission, where he's just absolutely shocked, right? You see him spill his drink and stuff like that. And that's like setting the tone of the movie where everyone's like, oh, shit. He's, this guy's just super open about it getting high. Well, what's interesting, so I know the director and the screenwriters for, for the movie, they're both... You know, they're, they're not, they're not Asian. They're two Jewish guys from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. And I remember reading that what they wanted to do was so they had, you know, friends like this, like in growing up, there was an actual like a Harold Lee. Yeah. I think they based Harold off of an actual friend they'd made named, named Harold Lee. So it's the same name. Yeah. They probably couldn't think of another Asian name, to be honest. <laughs> they're like, uh, let's just call him Harold Lee. Right. And so a part of it's like, oh, like, you know, they very much were, thinking like, oh let's make we want they wanted to make a movie where they saw like people they knew growing up you know doing like these like, crazy things and there's so many moments and jokes in this movie that would not fly today <laughs> but you know what i think that's the that's part of the charm of mm-hmm. it you know it, it reminds us of a different time we we were aware of these things mm-hmm. but the current social context is that no one talked about it and this movie brought it to light and made light of it, made, made jokes of it. And so I think I can imagine where in 2004, a lot of people watching, uh, watching it was like, oh my gosh, like that, it, that is exactly kind of like the issues that, that kind of come into play, right? And they, they kind of break away from the different realities and expectations that people uh, perceive it as so. Right. That's, that's actually, I was thinking like, oh, like could this, could could you show this movie in like cinemas today and would people, would, would it like pass like the, the correct is like limits, limits test mm. almost like, is it like sensitive? And I, I actually think that it would hold up pretty well because it does kind of have this like per, you know, perversion of this images. You come, kind of, you know, where it's, you know, where it's going and where it's like talking about, you kind of like know the message that's there. So I, there, but you're right. There are like a couple of things that probably wouldn't fly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. I think that. When, when Kumar was talking to their two friends and they, you're just like, Oh, like, do you have like yellow fever? You should go to the oh, yeah. party. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, that's, that, that's not, that's not cool. <laughs> but I, it was intentional. And I think that was what's kind of comedically genius about this movie. There, there are some notes that I, that I took in terms of bursting our reality bubbles. And then you have, uh, the East Asian club at Princeton. Mm-hmm. Where at first we we think that they're 
they're <laughs> Bobby Lee is so funny in this in this movie. Yeah. Do you know he he was like thirty years old when he filmed that? Really? Yeah. <laughs> he looks so young. I know. That's I I saw him and I was like, he looks like Bobby Lee. But then I was like, no, Bobby Lee is like fifty now. He he can't be. There's no He's way. He's been doing it for a while. Lee. Yeah. He's so funny. He's like, this is a two part question. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> uh, but yeah, like we we think of them as kind of like. Uh, they're, they're they're the stereotypical student folk or school focused Asian club, and it turns out they actually throw like ragers and stuff like that. And he's right. th- he's throwing a handing out weed. And he's throwing out weed. It's so great. Yeah. And then um the two the two posh like white ladies or the two posh ladies who uh, go into the bathroom and play battle shits. Oh my god! This is the <laughs> this is the very first time I heard about battle sh- or I was introduced to battle shits. And and sorry to all our listeners where it's going to be a little bit crude, but now anytime I use a public restroom and there's other people in the stalls, that's kind of where my mind goes. Is I think <laughs> of like battle shits now because it's so bad. But honestly, that's just how this movie mm-hmm. uh, impacted me. And it also the the first term that it introduced to me, Twinkie. Oh, that was your that was your first time hearing about this. That was my first time hearing the the term Twinkie. Mm-hmm. Yell on the outside, why not inside? Now, didn't register, but looking back at it, I'm like, oh, you know what? That's kind of what I was. Is that you know, I was, I'm, I am obviously Asian, not was Asian. <laughs> I am <laughs> Things Asian. Have Things have changed. I've morphed <laughs> into one. The cream filling have spewed out now. But uh, very much on the inside, I was trying to be as white as possible or, or assimilate to what I understood American culture to be. Let's talk about the characters, Harold, the, the two main leads, Harold and Kumar, as characters. So Harold, you know, he's that typical shy Asian guy. In the, in the elevator scene, he's not able to talk to the girl. And he's always kind of like the one where he always has to pull back Kumar. He's on edge. He's anxious, right? Uh, we do see him kind of complete his character art where he kind of finally stands up for himself with his coworkers at the end of the movie. And then also when he actually says something to his neighbor. I think John Cho's portrayal of Harold is absolutely great. Mm-hmm. He plays that part perfectly. Considering all the other stuff that John Cho has done, we really didn't appreciate how skillful John Cho as an actor was. And I think he just has this natural comedic timing and comedic ability you know he's i don't think he calls himself as a comedy actor but obviously kind of having harold and kumar as his has has been a milestone in the the impact that the movie had a lot of people associate him to be kind of being a comedic actor yeah i was like watching the different like interviews with john cho and he's like you know very like lively kind of like a big like personality kind of guy and so like, being able to like portray yeah i think just getting that sense from him like really reminded me that like oh like he's like can really be that like kind of like life you know full of, like life like life of the party you know having also like having that comedic talent you know as well i'm always reminded that for, for like john cho is the one who coined the term milf yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i'm always i'm always reminded i'm reminded about that and i just like you know now you know now he's like in a little bit like more more serious roles like you know the these days he he's definitely played as well of all the achievements john cho has that that i looked up in 2018 he starred in searching 
Yeah. Making him the first Asian American actor in history to headline a mainstream thriller in Hollywood. He also made history uh, being the first Asian American actor cast as a romantic lead when he starred as Henry Higgs in 2014 in a sitcom. But probably his most prized achievement, he coined the term MILF. Yes. <laughs> That's like, yes. I think that, like, you, you like pull America. And I think most people would say, like, didn't he say MILF in American Pie? He's, he's reached that level. He really, he really has. No, and yeah, hopefully, you know, I, he, he's probably risen above that, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, he's, he, he's definitely made his mark. Yeah. And definitely has progressed representation and how people perceive representation of Asian Americans in, in Hollywood. You know, he just became a household name, John Cho. Right. You know, and that and this movie definitely set set him off into superstardom. Is inter like I'm thinking about like his role like after after Harold and Kumar and you know he he did like a couple like I from what I remember from like his more famous work, I know he had the he had a little cameo on the Mindy Kaling show and he popped up once there. And then he filmed this this kind of like indie movie called Columbus. Yeah, just you know, just kinda of like seeing his depth and dimension as an actor. I thought it was good to know. And I think probably most most recently he is going to be in the new Cowboy Bebop series um TV series on Netflix. And I think everyone's yeah. But I think they're they had to pause production. I don't know if they're back on production. He suffered a knee injury. I know for some reason he he and like Gabriel Union are always like pick, like always like put in they people always want to put those two in movies together. I can't remember like why, but Really? John Cho and Gabriel Union? I mean, I'm not mad. Yeah. <laughs> I think she's like, um, they, they know each other. I think she's like a fan. They, they seem to be friends and everything. And like, they seem to like be fans of each other's work. I just remember one day, like they were trending for some reason. And then like Dwayne Wade got like a little mad or something. I, you know, not, not like actually like mad. Dwayne Wade got jealous of John Cho. <laughs> <laughs> I think people, it was probably a little bit like more... <laughs> Come on, D Wade. <laughs> people were making people were making it out to be a little bit more than it actually was, right? I, I don't think Dwayne Wade would be Joseph John Chopper. Yeah, I, I think D Wade got nothing to worry about. I mean, he's D Wade. Yeah, I'm. I'm also like D Wade. Like you, when you and Gabriel Union were on a break, you went out and had a kid with someone else. So you can't talk. He did his thing. <laughs> he did his thing. So. Uh, Two, two interesting facts that I found. John Cho did uh, ask me anything uh, over Reddit. One story he shared, someone once tried to kill him. He, this is when he was working at an ice cream shop or sandwich shop. And there was a car alarm going off right outside the shop. So he goes out into the car and he writes a sticky note to say, like, you gotta, whenever you're done or whenever you get to your car, please turn off your alarm. The, he was about 19 or 20 at the time. And it actually belonged to an uh, angry employee at, at a movie theater next door to the shop. And he wrote, he came back into, or he went into the sandwich shop and said, who wrote this? And John Cho was like, I did. And then the guy said, I'm going to go home, get my gun, and then come back here and shoot you. Oh, my God. I know. Um, but, but John Cho says, like, strangely, I finished my shift. I was like, why would you <laughs> stick around? He's like, okay, well, I'll just sit here and wait. Um, and then... What, what's also very special about John Cho is that his unwillingness and his continual push for like 
equal and equitable representation in Hollywood because there was a time where he would not do an accent for a film. I believe it was a film, but basically John Cho was cast for a show or a film called Big Fat Liar. And he was asked to do an accent and he said he didn't want to do the role with the with the accent. So what ended up happening is that he had like a conversation with the director to develop the character a little bit more. Having that foresight to be and, and that integrity to not play that role says a lot to him as a person, says a lot to him as an actor, also just someone who's, you know, very passionate and who loves his Asian American community. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey friends, for those that really know me, know that I love picnics. But not just any picnic, I'm talking all out fancy, make other picnics around, jealous kind of picnics. However, it does take a lot of time and effort to put these picnics together and for some reason, none of my friends ever want to help out. Gosh, that's why I go to Experiences by K. Experiences by K is a Bay Area luxury picnic business that can be set up just about anywhere from the beach, park, your backyard, and more. Simply go to the website, book your picnic, show up, and enjoy good times with your friends, worry-free. Great for birthdays, anniversaries, proposals, you name it. Go to experiencesbyk.com right now for your upcoming occasion and check out Experiences by K on Instagram at experiencesbyk. Annie's Tea Cakes is an Oakland-based food company on a mission to provide plant-based Chinese food options to the world. Wow! As a longtime plant-based eater, Annie started this business to create a way for herself and others to enjoy the foods that are often shared with family but don't fit a plant-based diet. You know, this journey started with vegan Taiwanese pineapple cakes. That sounds amazing. I'll tell you that right now. Follow Annie's Tea Cakes on Instagram or go to annieteacakes.com to place your order today. And now, back to the show. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about Kumar, played by Cal Penn. <laughs> he's a great character, honestly. Yeah. Uh, he's, his high face, if you know what I'm talking about, where he just kind of looks... His mouth is open and his eyes are barely open. Uh He does that face so well. And he's just always, he's always getting into trouble. But he's also kind of that laissez-faire kind of philosophy, right? He's that character. And we all have that friend. So I would probably say I'm closest to like uh, Harold in terms of being a little bit more level-headed. But we all have that Kumar character that, that just always somehow ropes us into situations. Yeah, no, I dev- I actually I have a, I've definitely kind of have a friend who who who's who's like that where he's he'll get you in a situation and you know he's like oh like we'll figure it out like whatever happens we'll figure it out and I I'm close to that Harold you know we're gonna figure it out by having a plan for every situation yeah but Calpen so he was born his birth name is Calpen Suresh Modi and he said he changed his name because. It was a, an attempt to show him, to show his friends, if he changed his name, he would get more work. And his audition callbacks rose up by 50%. Oh, my gosh. Wow. 
That's crazy. That's I can see that, right? I understand that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another interesting fact about Cal Penn is that he worked for the Obama administration. He was the he did. yeah. He was the principal associate director in the White House uh, in the White House Office of Public Engagement. I didn't know that. He actually had to leave House, so he so he was um he was a main cast member on House for you know like around for a while, and they actually had to you know once he left for the White House, they had to figure out what to do with his character, so they just killed him off. Oh, and yeah. Wow. Credit to him to, you know, he chose the, you know, politics than, than house, you know, house is a pretty successful show too. Right. No, absolutely. So that's, yeah, he actually, he had to leave for a bit to, um, to film the Harold and Kumar three movie, which he, I guess, you know, that shows how important Harold and Kumar was to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll leave house. But Harold and Kumar, give me a call. I'll yeah, come back. I need. I can't. I, I need to finish this. Yeah. So no, his his career arc has been super super interesting. Yeah, he was. I believe he was in the first Van Wilder movie mm. with Ryan Reynolds, and then he he had his own movie as well, and kind of like the spinoff of, of it. And then he was on like he did TV a lot. You know he he was on Twenty Four. I believe, and he, he kind of, you know, he he was on House. He had a recurring role in How, How I Met Your Mother as a Robin's kind of like boyfriend. You know, Jeff John Cho was also on How I Met Your Mother too. Oh, was he? I can't. Who did he play? Yeah, he played Jeff Coatsworth. He was the one of the partners for the law firm that Marshall, played by Jason Segel, that was apply, applying for. Mm-hmm. I think he had only one episode because. I don't remember if Coatsworth was recast or they just did they just did away with the character, but yeah. John Cho was also one on How I Met Your Mother. Oh wow. Okay. But I think it was just one episode. Yeah. Cal Penn would definitely had multiple episodes on How I Met Your Mother. Okay. Wow. They were both we were both on How I Met Your Mother. I'm a big How I Met Your Mother fan. I've seen that show through and through multiple times. Oh yeah. I was I was like a big fan too. And then you know, with shows like that, when there are so many seasons, I just got to the point where I was like, I, I need this to be done with. Let's talk about the, your favorite scenes. What were some of your favorite scenes or most rewatchable scene? Right. So one of my favorite scenes was actually in the beginning where where Harold like is like with Maria in the elevator, like about to go get on the elevator with Maria. And he, he just like has his whole plan out, like what's going to happen. Like he's going to like say like all he these, imagines like, cool, everything. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, man, like I've done that before. I'm sure like almost every guy has like done that before. <laughs> yeah. like. You imagine everything to be perfect, and then as soon as it happens, you're like, Ugh. "Yeah, <laughs> like everything that could go wrong, like basically just goes wrong." Um, my absolute favorite scene, and I still laugh to this day, and I laughed when I when I watched it last night, is the crosswalk scene. Mm-hmm. You know, when they're about to cross the cross the street, and it's like two a.m., and <laughs> Harold's trying to turn on the light. And he looks, he looks both sides of the street, nothing there. And as soon as he steps out, it's like, boo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, and then the interaction with the police officer is hilarious. Um, yeah, he's like Kumar. What is that? Five O's or two U's? <laughs> the actor who plays the police officer is pretty good. It kind of shows there are like two ways of like responding to that situation. One is it like Harold where he's like, oh, wait, like, just, let's just get this over with, right? Like, you know what? Yeah. I don't want to like deal with this. I don't want to cause any trouble. And then Kumar said like, no, like, let's, you know, this is wrong. This is, this is ridiculous. You know, you weren't, mm-hmm. you were, you weren't even jaywalking. You took a step. 
And then he punches the cop. Right. <laughs> Let's talk about the, I want to, I do want to mention the, the cameos in this movie, you know, watching it again, you're like, oh, wow. You know, these, it's so funny to, to see the origins, not maybe not origins, but just early stages of these people's, uh, of these actors' career. We kind of put it together. Ryan Reynolds played the doctor and the thing. Now, I think he right. was already kind of famous, right? He was already pretty famous. He was like, a, he was like by, by definition, a cameo. Yeah, I, I think I was just so surprised because now he's like very famous. And his character is so funny because he's like yeah. dabbing Kumar's lips. Um, but yeah, yeah, you mentioned that he, at this time, he was known f- to be, uh, I think he had just done National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Did he do both of them at this time already? Or I think he was just in one. I, I don't know if both of them had come out. Uh, Bobby Lee, we mentioned. Bobby Lee was, yeah. 30 years old at the time. Yeah, playing as like a 19-year-old like college student. He plays his character so well. Um, he ended up becoming, uh, doing his own thing. He was on, what's that sketch comedy show? What was, was it he Mad on? TV? Mad Mad TV. He actually, uh, I think he also has a pretty successful podcast named Tiger Belly. I think that's what it's called as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he does stand up anymore, but yeah, I mean, he does, he does his podcast and yeah. And he's like, you know, one of the OG kind of like Asian comedians. And then NPH, Neil Patrick Harris. Right. I love me some Neil Patrick Harris, honestly. This is crazy how they, they're like, get these people on, like Neil Patrick Harris, but like fairly big at the at the time like still is but yeah like and i love how he played himself yeah you know <laughs> a, a character a satire version or or a parody version of himself like this totally jaded child actor who turns like party life and yeah he's all drugged up i've read that after harold and kumar that's when he started um that's when he started how i met your mother because how i met your mother came out in 2005 so um, another How I Met Your Mother reference. That's probably how John Cho and Cal Penn got onto the show because of their relationship with MPH. Doogie. Um, also, Anthony Anderson, Blackish, star of Blackish, mm-hmm. great actor as well. He's been doing it for a long time. He was the drive through attendant. Oh, that's one of my favorite scenes in the, in the, entire, in the movie. Yeah, that was, that was insane. <laughs> uh jamie kennedy do you know who jamie kennedy is actually yeah no i don't know who jamie kennedy is another comedy actor tends to be a little more nuanced role he was the creeper guy taking a piss next to kumar oh okay so he was famous he it turned out he he ended up in other things let me see what he's known for he was in scream 2 he was in romeo juliet i didn't know that yeah, he's just kind of one of those offbeat characters that he always plays. Got it. Okay. He was in Scream 3 as well. Uh, Fred Willard, rest in peace. An icon, an, a comedy icon. He's been in the game for a long time. And then Christopher Maloney for Law & Order SVU fans. He, he plays Elliot Stabler, Detective Stabler. Oh, he was in this? Who was he? I didn't know he was. Uh, he was Freak Show, the guy with the boils. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> okay, now I know. Oh, you can tell? Was, no, no, he had all those boils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you played Freak Show. That's Christopher. Oh That's God. Detective Stabler. That man has range. Uh, and then um, his wife was, is played by Malin Ackerman. Um, she was in Watchmen. She's in other stuff too, but I, I recall her from Watchmen. God, she's in 27 Dresses as well. 
Let's talk about 2004 in terms of the year of comedies. When I was looking this up, it struck me in terms of these classic comedy movies that came out during this year that I still enjoy to this day as much as the jokes haven't aged well. Again, that's part of the charm of it. So in 2004, we have Napoleon Dynamite. I actually haven't finished that movie. I, I don't. You've never finished Napoleon. Well, that's, <laughs> honestly, I think so. So I watched Napoleon Diamond once, like straight when it came out, and I was ten. And that was everyone loved that movie. Everyone referenced that movie. I never got into it. Honestly, like thinking, I haven't watched it since then. But thinking back on it, I'm, I'm just like, this was okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a little bit, and I was like, I don't get the draw. Yeah, uh, Dodgeball. Dodgeball's the club, yeah. Dodgeball's great movie. Mm-hmm. Blade, Laser, Blazer. <laughs> and I believe you met my fitness consigliere, Michelle. <laughs> yeah, Dodge, Dodgeball still holds up. I watched that recently. Um, Euro Trip? I had heard about it. I never, I never watched it. I just know, I just remember there was some like incest scene. So <laughs> apparently. It was my, I watched clips of it. It was my idea of Europe. That's what I thought. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, now incest is in. You know, incest is widely accepted in movies now, so we're we're good. Incest is the new thing; it's the new trend in movies. Yeah, it it, it really is. Everyone's everyone everyone has there has to be some incest. Everyone's on that hot craze of incest. I know, handing out incest like hotcakes. <laughs> I know. Uh, Anchorman. Anchorman's oh. our class. Yeah, I mean, mo- probably one of the most quotable comedies of this list. Yeah, Ben Stiller was pretty active during that in two thousand four. It sounds like White Chicks. White Tricks is a is a classic. I think yeah. I still you know, I still like scream saying a thousand miles whenever Dude, I'm in the mid car. Whenever I hear that song, that's the movie I think of. Just and Terry Crews. Uh Mean Girls. Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. I think this one holds up very much today. High school still like, you know, I'm sure high schools still feel like if you show high school students like Mean Girls, so be like, yeah, it, it's like that. <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, Kung Fu Hustle. We got to do Kung Fu Hustle for sure. I think it, it's still, it was on Netflix last year. I don't know if it still is, but I remember when it, when it came out, I was, I was like, oh, like, I need to watch this. And Kung Fu Hustle was like our thing as Asian. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was mainstream. It, def- it definitely wasn't mainstream. Yeah. I don't know how I heard about it. And I was like, this is, I enjoyed this. This is great. And Stephen Chow was amazing in that movie. Mm-hmm. So, and then Shaun of the Dead. Simon Pegg. No, I never watched Sean did it, but I think I, I I watched Hot Fuzz, which I think was by the same like director. Yeah. Okay. We're going to close it out with this topic. Let's name our top five stoner comedies. Do you want to combine the list or do you have your own top five? I We should complete because I haven't watched that many stoner comedies. Okay. So you're going to leech, leech off of my list. That's all good. Okay. Now, I think the OG stoner comedy has to come from Cheech and Chong, made back sometimes in the 70s, I believe. But during this time, this is when marijuana was like the devil. Yo, I still thought I was, I thought it was the devil, right? I think, I think, I remember my dad told me, he was like, Jeffrey, if they, if they ever catch you with drugs, I can't help you. I'm just like, okay. Get away from the devil's lettuce. Yeah. <laughs> that devil's grass. So my top one, I think, Pineapple Express. I mentioned this. Seth Rogen and James Franco still holds up to this day. Even better when you're high. I can say that firsthand experience. Would you define stoner? Does it does it have to be like more than weed? 
it can't just be like they sprinkle some weed on it and now it's a stoner mm. comedy, right? There has <laughs> I think it's got to center around weed to to classify it as stoner comedy. I'm I'm trying to think of a movie where the characters weren't high, but it was so slapstick. Like Anchorman. Anchorman, they don't smoke weed in there. Mm-hmm. But I can guarantee you that if I was high and I watched it, I would laugh my ass off. Mm-hmm. The slapstick nature of it, the silliness of it. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, the classical sense of a stoner comedy is that the main characters have to be high. Or like marijuana has to play like a central role in the movie. Well, there was this movie I, I watched recently where this guy has like a like his cousin or something is a weed like sells weed and accidentally dropped the weed in like a like a vat of oil and then they and they this, they run like a fried chicken shop and <laughs> they start, <laughs> and then since then it becomes like super super successful <laughs> right and then yeah and then they're just they're just like man like why do people like love our chicken so much and then it's like oh it's because i put weed in the oil <laughs> so i that's probably not a stoner comedy yeah another stoner Comedy of my favorite of mine, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That was a s- solid one. Came out in 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. There's a list of cameos in that movie. Friday, Ice Cube, Chris Tucker. Wait, were they looking for? I can't. I, I, I watched Friday. I liked it. But I just didn't remember any weed in it. I think there was definitely weed in it. Okay. I, <laughs> so to go back to your original question, it wasn't central to the plot. Like they weren't on the hunt for weed. They were dealing with other things just in the neighborhood. Just, yeah. This is probably but I think it, usage was it was definitely my. I, I, okay, so here's the thing. I, I, let me clarify. I don't think Friday would fit perfectly the stoner comedy, uh-huh. but it, it's a lot more mature than that. But I think it's, uh, it does touch upon it a little bit more, if that makes any sense. Probably doesn't. No, no, no. I think, you know, there's also, also there's the stoner comedy police is not going to come by and be like, right. Come on. I mean, they're probably <laughs> exactly. just like, yeah, why not? Like, sure. Yeah, throw Friday in. Yeah. Yeah. Shit, Little Mermaid, put that in too. Why yeah, not? <laughs> exactly. Actually, everything is could be a stoner comedy. Yeah. Over the Moon could be a stoner comedy. Over the Moon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, knocked Up. Was there weed in that too? No, I don't know. But again, I, I think I'm just, I'm just considering the Seth Rogen factor. <laughs> right. No, that's fair. That's fair. Okay, like, okay. Like 40-year-old version. I don't think there was any weed. In that, no, but, no, that I would. That's a contender, though. I think that's a notable mention. Uh, and then lastly, scary movie was okay. I there's probably weed references. I'm sorry, I'm giving you like the like, are you sure that's a stoner comedy, right? <laughs> You're my auditor, <laughs> yeah, You're my stoner comedy auditor. <laughs> no, for sure. I, I always want to, um, if there was any movie I wanted to see, like, while affected by by like chemicals and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And one thing I was would be would be um cats. Like <laughs> live action cats. <laughs> I don't know if that would save the movie. I haven't seen it, but I heard it was just the worst thing to ever come out. See, I would yeah, I, I've heard bad things. I would have to get like very like dr- or something to like watch it. I'd have to be trapped to watch it. Someone had to <laughs> trap me. Honestly, I think if you were high while watching that, you'd probably be scared. True. You'd be like, well, what are these things? <laughs> yeah. You might have a bad trip. Yeah. So I'll end it with this. Helen and Kumar set the tone, very revolutionary in their own right. Mm-hmm. I want to petition and put it out there in the universe. I think we need more Asian-American stoner comedies. 
I, I think we do too, right? I think one thing I learned like after going to college and everything, like Asians know Asian Americans know how to turn up. <laughs> and can. we can be mediocre and we can fail. Yeah. And we can be disappointing. Yay for disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like I, I hear stories about K Town all the time. So we should yeah, we should put more of those stories out <laughs> in the media. All right. Well, Jeffrey, thank you again for jumping on this pod. Tune in next time for another episode of Real Asian Podcast. If you're listening to this episode and you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe or follow button if you want to get the latest from us and we'll make sure to keep bringing you the hottest takes. Ski up!